Hello, everybody, and welcome to Devil Fruit Punch, the podcast where we read One Piece, and then we talk about it. I am, of course, your host, John, and with me today from the red wastes of Texas, Patrick Ramirez. Hello, listener. And also joining me is Matt. Hello, hello. How's it going? Today we will be discussing chapters 130 to 154, Drum Island. Luffy and the Straw Hats visit the Drum Island Kingdom and recruit a doctor. His name is Tony Tony Chopper, and he's a blue-nosed reindeer who is cursed with sentience by eating the human-human fruit. Drum Island was ruled by another devil fruit user named Wapole until he was deposed by the Blackbeard Pirates. He's back, though, and Luffy washes him, winning over Chopper's loyalty in the process. We're also introduced to a mysterious stranger named Ace and Mr. Two, or Bonclay. So that's what happened this week, but there's so much to talk about that I didn't even include in that. I mean, this... Yeah, was that there, a summary, John? <laughs> yeah, that was the summary. Yeah, John, I, and, I think you mean the former uh, Drum Kingdom, by the way. <laughs> that's true. Now it's the People's Republic of People's Drum Republic Island. People's Republic of Drum <laughs> Island. Yeah, let's just call that here. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, what's funny about this set of chapters is that I feel like it was maybe half flashbacks. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a lot of flashback. Well, one flashback in particular. But yeah, that was like multiple chapters, right? <laughs> it was, yeah. he was, I mean, yeah, they literally do a thing where like Luffy's about to punch the villain and he doesn't even say, finish saying the word bullet. And then it launches into this several chapter flashback and the very end of it, when your heart's just been ripped out, you just see his fist just explode in like a double page spread. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Um, all right. So Patrick, did you have any questions for us? Everything was pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, no questions. Um, I did. I just have some comments, honestly. Like the first thing I wrote down was Nami has a fever, which must have mean that I was reading this because that's the very first thing that happens <laughs> in this section. Um, but I would say I was gonna give this like a mediocre grade until about like maybe five or six chapters in, because I just thought it was not interesting. Mm-hmm. until you get more of the reindeer backstory and then i was like ah now i'm fully invested man you just give me a non-human animal with anthropomorphic uh characteristics and like i am all in <laughs> yeah and chopper is very cute a very 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 cute yeah chopper's yeah. really cute <clears throat> and i don't want to hijack you too much patrick but i want to say i know exactly what you mean and i think a lot of that has to do with how much wapo sucks he, he's just gross. He's gross yeah. to look at. and He's just not a cool villain. Like, <laughs> it, it, the first encounter with them, um, they blast him, and uh, Luffy, I, I don't really know how the mechanics work, but he brings his arms all the way back and then all the way forward, and then he they say that they blasted him into space, and then also, like, he's in the ocean, and uh, he's gone. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't care about that guy anyways. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, just it was not very engaging. 
Yeah, I think there's some interesting thematic stuff about Wapple that I'd, I'd love to get into later. But um, just as a straight villain, he might be my least favorite in the series. At, at least in the beginning. He gets more interesting as the chapters go on. Yeah, for sure. Especially when he cannibalizes his uh, two uh, henchmen. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting. But at the beginning, yeah, he's pr- pretty lame. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, I do like his power. What was the power called? It was the um, Munch like Munch Munch. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah Munch the Munch Munch fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Munch Munch fruit. That's right. Because I didn't know that was his mouth coming out of the snow at the beginning. I was like, oh, they have sandworms on this on this uh, island apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's kind of an interesting rivets. power because it's like he can not only eat things that normal people wouldn't be able to eat, but he also like integrates them into his body, which is pretty cool. It's very cool. I, I think it's another example of him. Like, that's not really something I'd logically extrapolate out of that. Um, I, I think Oda's like, okay, I want him to do this. I'll just say he's like a human, I don't know, synthesis factory at the same time. Yeah, so, uh, all right, let's 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 move on to our topics of discussion. Um, uh, Patrick, what is, what is the first thing that you would like to discuss more in depth? First thing I'd like to bring up is that Django, in the uh, chapter introductions or chapter intro things, yeah, reminds me. There's one where he's taken off his hat. Uh, I think it's like taken off his hat and his glasses or something, and he looks like Thomas Hayden Church, like exactly in that uh, <laughs> in that depiction. So I could not stop thinking about that throughout reading all this. And then when I was thinking about that, I also thought about how Doctor Korea or Kariha reminds me of Getty Lee and also uh, Willem Dafoe. (laughs) I can see that. I'd like your thoughts on this. I don't know who the first person that you said is. I'm having to look up Getty Lee, but I do recognize him now that I'm seeing him. Oh, he's the lead singer of Rush. Uh, And uh, Thomas Hayden Church is an actor. I think you would probably know him from playing Sandman in the Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I think it's Sideways. No, 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 the... uh, the first, um, the first Spider-Man two, and Sideways Spider-Man with, three, yeah, uh, with Paul Giamatti, yeah, okay, okay, and in No Way Home as well, yeah. <laughs> I I've never thought to compare any of those characters to any of those people, but uh, now that you're saying it, I I'm definitely <laughs> seeing it myself, <laughs> and I think you're really onto something with uh, Getty Lee and uh, Doctor Correa. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting kind of like Steve Tyler vibes a little bit from Kariha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less less cool of a musician, but yes, I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> That's, it true. Point, That's true. It, very much though, like kind of the you know sort of aging rock star uh, who is you know still living you know in, in a very kind of young spirit. Yeah, with which like features mainly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I thought was like funny if while we're talking about Kariha is um, yeah. that Sanji. I, 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 you know, I'm a Sanji hater. I'm a dedicated Sanji hater, but I had to give it up that he demands that she be treated as a lady also. So it's not, it's not like he only sticks up for the cute ladies, right? To him, it's like a lady is a lady, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad yeah, you mentioned consistent. that. Yeah. Cause I, I, that stood out to me too, but I forgot to jot it down. And yeah, it's true. Like as much of a horn dog as Sanji is, 
he is a principled horn dog, and that's <laughs> something that I like about him. It, it, it keeps him from being overly creepy all the time. Um, yeah. Okay, this is a good transition to one of my things. Um, do you remember there was a little snippet early on where Sanji is like, well, it's definitely not their her diet because I make sure to feed Vivi and Nami all the, the best food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, ta- he talks about how he makes sure that, you know, they get enough nutrients and vitamins and stuff. Um, Does he my- also say that he gives... Uh- he gives them any food that's going bad. He gives yeah, it right away or something. That like it's that. about to go bad. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I actually, because this passage was of such interest to me, I did look up multiple translations. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the translations, it just says he gives them like the leftovers, basically. Right. Um, but yeah, not he's you know yeah. basically he's given the best better. to Vivi and Nami. Um, the reason I bring this up is because. I have a bit of a Sanji conspiracy theory. Okay. There are going to be some changes in Nami's body that are (laughs) in some ways grotesque. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, In future, in future chapters. Yes. Spoiler alert, John. Spoiler alert. Hello. Yes. Light, light spoilers, but I believe that Sanji is to blame for this. And this is my first Uh point of evidence. I believe that Sanji is engineering a diet um, for Nami and the other female crewmates uh, according to his own interests. We'll just put it that way. Well, um, as the resident Sanji defender, I got to say, you've put me in a really tricky spot here um, because I have what I consider to be a very strong objection to this theory, but I cannot talk about it at all (laughs) because it would spoil something too important so i I hope i remember it for when it's time comes we'll just put this on our radar for now okay okay uh matt what what would you like to discuss oh gosh i mean there's just so much here um we were just on dr correa and i wanted to just really this is one of my my brief ones but i think there's some interesting parallels between her and nami um I think that in some ways I could imagine Nami aging into something more like Dr. Correa as she gets older. Um, obviously Nami isn't a physician, but she is very educated. Uh, you know, she's very assertive. They are both um, stone cold mercenaries when it comes to getting paid, <laughs> not afraid to uh, bend somebody over a barrel to get their money. But um, I don't know. I, I thought it was a very fun dynamic. I, I love Dr. Correa as a character. Um, and yeah, I, I just wanted to toss that out there really quick as uh, one of my smaller thoughts. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that the, the one who's cheap and out to get money is in some ways the better doctor than the one who's like, I just want to help people. And it's like, yeah, but you kind of fuck it up sometimes though. Oh man. Right. Yeah. There's so much to talk about with here, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of liked that, that they... Because normally that character, the character who's a, like a reckless doctor um, mm-hmm. who makes mistakes like that would be painted as like irresponsible or unlikable. But I like yeah. that he was kind of like the protagonist of this story, like just kind of this bumbling idiot who had good intentions, but really not a whole lot of... Uh, follow through i guess or he didn't really have the uh the walk to back up his talk i guess you could say 
I guess yeah. not having the wherewithal of knowledge, right? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, he is, he is not a physician. Like Dr. Gray is not just dissing him. He's like, you literally don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but He's a like, hopeless dreamer. He is. And, and like, I, I agree with you so much on that. Normally like the bad doctor would be like shady or like mercenary or something. And the thing is here, kind of is both of those things, but in a way that makes him more likable. Like I, I believe that the very first scene that we see him in, in that flashback I want to say, like, he basically healed somebody and then robbed them at the same time. And he's, like, running out and there's, you know, like, their house is on fire. And he's like, get over it. I, <laughs> I took care of okay. you. I, you know, I need money, too, or something like that. Man, I'm glad you brought that up because I did not know. I looked at that panel several times and I could not figure out what was what he was talking about. Yeah, I said, like, yo, get over it. It's a small house fire or something like that. Yeah, like... Um, I'm not a hundred percent on this, but they do go into how his backstory was. He used to be like a like an infamous, you know, robber. Yeah, <laughs> You're right. That makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, here Luke is a uh, a great character in that he is a very interesting um, influence on Chopper, and I I think I'm gonna like Chopper this this time around. He wasn't really one of my favorite Straw Hats last time mm-hmm. I read this, but this time I was like, he's pretty fucking cool. Actually, all right, so I'm going to just talk about one of my things real quick because I feel yeah, like please. this is a good segue. I just wanted to talk about Chopper in general. Yeah, Chopper's um, great. We mentioned that his design is extremely cute and that cannot be understated, uh, both in reindeer form and in, um, what would that be, half human form. Um I think it's half monster is what they say. Half monster, yeah. Um, yeah. Extremely cute. And then his human form is like fucking badass. Like he looks like a big old bear. Like, <laughs> and he fucks some shit up. And I also really like that. What makes him most powerful is his scientific knowledge. Like he yeah. fucking jacked himself up on HGH and fucking got yoked to to beat up some bad guys, which. That was fucking cool. Like, and the whole, um, oh, I guess we can do a little translation note. Um, in the translations that I had read before, they translate it as, uh, instead of arm boost or guard boost, they, they say point. So yeah. like arm point or speed point or whatever. Um, but that whole transformation system, I think is really cool. And like, I also really like the Zoan type fruits, um, and yeah, this is where we're actually introduced to that, right? That idea that there's like yeah. different families of devil fruits. I think um, that um, we might have gotten a little bit about Logia from Smoker. I can't remember. I think that they mentioned that, but I'm not 100%. Do you remember, Patrick? Uh, I do not, actually. I'm not sure if they did. I think they did point okay. out, though, that it's like fighting him is like fighting smoke, which is like, right, right. You know, yeah. The, the um, wiki said that this is the final reveal of the final, you know, type. But uh, I, I didn't have a strong memory of it getting into Logia, and, and I know that'll be coming up later. Yeah, I think that Alabasta will have more of that. I'm pretty yeah, sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, I just think Chopper's sick. I love the seven type transformation thing. I love how Luffy loves it too. Like the way that Chopper's fighting and Luffy's just like seven different transformations. That's so cool. And like, this is, this is such, such a cool thing about Luffy that he loves transformations and formations and 
you know, shit like that. Yeah, and, and if I can uh, hop on really quick, that segues into a couple of my quick points that, uh, in a really good way, too. Um, one was just talking about Luffy and being so enthusiastic about the transformations. I love this detail that they throw into the very last chapter when Luffy is like Adam at the chopper, joins the crew, and it turns out he never realized he was a doctor. He just thought he was a cool guy, like a cool monster that could transform, and that was it. And um, when Sunday mentions he's a doctor, he's like, what? Really? Oh, great. <laughs> Bonus. Yeah. And, you know, people since kind of the beginning of the manga have been commenting on how Luffy is monstrous in some ways. Right? Yeah. And, well, well, and Zoro is the demon. You know, it's like this is kind of a crew of monsters in a way. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there's a great exchange, right? Where um, as soon as, you know, um, Sanji and uh, Luffy see Chopper for the first time. They call him a monster, which is like a traumatic thing for Chopper to be called. Um, but then later on, like they, you know, refer to Luffy. I think Sanji calls Luffy a monster. He's like he's basically a, a rubber monster. Yeah, and there's a and, frame right after that where Chopper's eyes get really wide because he's like, oh, yeah, like maybe they didn't mean it in the way that you know the the villagers meant it. Yeah. Um, but just a, another really quick point. Um, I love that you brought up that his scientific knowledge is one of his greatest assets because I forgot that like the rumble balls are a thing, you know, the thing that he uses to expand his transformative capacity or something he invented from his own research. And like, hypothetically, he could give that to any zone type and they could presumably do the same thing and unlike like four new transformations. I have um, always wondered about that. Yeah. <laughs> like... <sighs> Yeah, that 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 possibility is so insane to me. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, that could be a huge game changer. I, I I hope it comes up at some point. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't, Patrick. But anyway, yeah, my, you would know. <laughs> <laughs> my last comment, just quickly on his design, is my first experience with One Piece was I think I was in like fifth or sixth grade. Oh, uh, not wow. not to date myself when the anime started coming on on like Saturday morning cartoons. And at that, you know, I grew up on like Dragon Ball Z and such, and I just caught a glimpse of, I think my little brother watching in the living room and it was Chopper. And I'm like, what is this ridiculous looking creature with this stupid hat? This is for kids. I'm a big boy, whatever. And it, <laughs> it took me decades to finally go like, oh, it's good. Really? Huh? Okay. I should check it out. Yeah. Uh, how wrong I was. Yeah, and, and if we also want to just expand this slightly before we uh, ask Patrick what he'd like to talk about, um, mm -hmm. you know, the other guy, um, Dalton, I thought his transformations were pretty fucking cool, too. Yeah. Yeah, very subtle and uh, unexpected for me. Yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty cool, too, that, like, now that we're in the Grand Line, we're seeing more Devil Fruit users, like, you know, this is just, like, a king of some random kingdom and his... Uh, like Kingsguard, basically, and they're Devil Fruit users. Like, they're not like these crazy, infamous guys. They're just kind of like, I mean, they're not like average Joes either. But I just like that it's uh, it's becoming more normal the further into the Grand Line that they get. Yeah, like, it makes yeah. me think that like, um, sorry to no, no, please go ahead. I've been talking but, too um, much. It does. It does seem like they don't really go into like some of the backstories of how these people got to where they are on the grand line, but it does seem like if you are a devil fruit user, you are more, um, you're better 
you have better attributes to end up on the grand line than someone who doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have like a leg up on the competition to get, even if you're not looking for the one piece treasure, you're just on adventure and you can end up on the grand line easier than someone who's not a double for user. Maybe that's why there's so many of them. Yeah. And like, if you're just, a, even if you're not like traveling the grand line, if you just are born on the grand line, then mm-hmm. either being a devil fruit user or having someone, you know, in your kingdom or in your village or whatever that advantage. is a devil fruit user can like really protect you from the yeah. threats that are going to be coming yeah. your way. When, and there's always the way of doing it, like Luffy and um, Buggy did it, which is somebody else found it and you just fucking eat it. <laughs> it just comes your way and you steal it. I, I will say uh, retroactively, I'd like to apologize to Buggy for <laughs> saying his chop chop fruit power is so fucking lame <laughs> because uh, it seems less lame just executed poorly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Buggy, uh, yeah, because like uh, it, it does. I think that could be cool. Yeah, I, I sure. like that a lot. Yeah, Buggy's just a little too stupid to to really make the best use of it. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll learn. Uh, Patrick, <laughs> what would you like to speak about? Uh, so the next thing I have written down is the... This is kind of skipping ahead, but the poison skull and crossbones got oh, me right yeah. in the feels. Oh, with, my uh, God. With uh, Tony Tony Chopper. Yeah, that God. made me cry. That that ripped my heart out. That that was, I forgot how impactful that was. Yeah, I didn't cry, but I got me because <laughs> when I first started reading, um, these are chapters one thirty through one fifty four. I'd say through one thirty six or thirty eight, I was not invested emotionally in yeah. this arc until basically to that. That's kind of a peak for me is the poisons, uh, the uh, skull and crossbones on the flag. And then why he thinks that's a good thing when he sees it as what we know as the poison, the poison symbol for the mushroom. Oh, yeah. Um, that's when I was like, oh, they did reach an emotional height in this arc. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Pat, or, um, John, you're having some mic issues there. Yeah, you're, you're really quiet, John. My bad. Okay, you're there good now. Go. Um, I was just going to say that that whole thing got me as well, Patrick. And I even wondered, do you think that um, the doctor, what was his fucking name? Um, Irluk or Korea? Yeah, Irluk. Uh, that maybe he told Chopper that story and told him that the symbol means faith and all that mm-hmm. as like cover for, that. yeah, cover for what he was going to do, which is go get, <laughs> get, poison yeah. mushrooms <laughs> i th- i did think that's why he did that because here luke at the beginning seems unscrupulous uh untrustworthy and it's like i didn't bring this up earlier but like kind of he reminded me of like um in a doctor in the 19th century where there's not a lot of knowledge uh, this is my ignorance probably but like i'm assuming there's not a ton of knowledge widespread throughout anyone who says they're a doctor like you you could just be a doc you could just say you're a doctor and start oh yeah you just lie people, right yeah yeah and so he reminds me of that at the beginning yeah and then towards the end um with chopper uh you know he forms this emotional connection with him and i think he has this end goal in sight with uh killing the king uh, or lucy's trying to castle and trying to kill the king oh man where where that's that's 
kind of his goal, and he tricks Chopper. I don't know if tricks is the right word. He misleads him, I guess, into that because, like he says it earlier, doesn't he say like he doesn't he doesn't want to hurt him with uh. There's like some hard truth he doesn't want to tell Chopper because it would hurt him too much. I can't remember exactly. Well, what the it hard is. the hard truth is that uh, he has a terminal illness and he's ah, going to yeah, be yeah. dying in ten days. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I respectfully completely disagree with that read. Um, I think it's a cool takeaway, but I, I think that to me, I, I think he was very sincere about mm-hmm. like the Jolly Roger being for him like a symbol of freedom and, and kind of a a symbol of hope against the concept of disease. Because I mean that that's Herlock's whole thing, right? He he wants to cure all disease. He believes he was miraculously cured back in the day, so he thinks that yeah. anything can be cured. Um, so to me, Herlock is actually like kind of a Christ figure, um, because he he genuinely, to me, wants to heal the world. He he wants to heal anybody, and um, <clears throat> I don't think he wants to kill the king. I, I think that you know there's that whole plot line about how Wapole had a rumor get spread that um, the 20 doctors were sick and here Luke like rushes, you know, to save them. And he finds out it was a ruse meant to, you know, trap him so that he could be killed. And, and he's like, Oh, thank, you know, thank goodness. Everyone's okay. Everyone's healthy. Uh-huh. Um, I think that the thing with the skull and crossbones and then seeing like this, the, you know, the universal symbol for poison is this like heartbreaking parallel I mean, it's a coincidence in a way that like completely makes sense once it's pointed out. But like, I never had, I never thought that. Like, oh yeah, the symbol for poison and the pirate symbol are kind of the same thing. Um, I never thought that either. Yeah, yeah, it's just like this tragic like trap of circumstance that you know just springs on Chopper before he ever knew what happened. Uh, only when it's too late and, and Correa says, you know, that's not what that means at all. That doesn't mean it's good. That means it's very, very bad. Yeah. Um, it's heartbreaking. I um, I mean, either way, it was definitely affecting. And, like, the whole thing where he blew himself up, and as he's blowing himself up, he's like, it wasn't the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, yeah. At least, like, I'm going to kill myself before you can blame yourself for killing me. Like, he was sparing <laughs> yeah. Chopper. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, pretty legendary speech where he's, like, talking about, like, when do you die? Do you die when you're blown up by bombs? Do you die when you eat poisonous mushrooms? No, you die when you're forgotten. It's, like, kind of that. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, an original thing, but it's still very, like, powerful in the right emotional context for sure, which I think this had, definitely. It's a heavy hitter, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole that whole situation, it, like, it radicalized Dalton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it radicalized Correa. It radical like, we find out at the end, it radicalized the 20 Doctors. Yeah, it kind like, of it. Yeah, it did. That was that was when um, Dr- the Kingdom of Drum Island died, and the People's Republic of Drum Island was born. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it took Blackbeard to actually wipe out Wapple, but like you're right, that is that set the foundation for what their society would become after that. Yeah, man, Dalton's so cool. <laughs> Dalton rules. I I love. I think it's brilliant, by the way, to introduce two zones at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Chopper's like the human human fruit is a very unusual type of zone. And I think having like a, a bison bison or whatever, <laughs> yeah. it's a good way to, okay, this is a, you know, here's another type. I guess this uh, is whole, kind of a slight, 
<laughs> I guess this is kind of a slight spoiler for Patrick, but I don't think it's like bad. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put my fingers in my ears and uh, <laughs> start making noises. Well, I'm just wondering, Patrick, what do you think would happen if a human ate the human human fruit? Um, I'm thinking giant fetus. That's what would happen. <laughs> giant fetus with straw hat. That's what they would turn into. That's a good question. I've always wondered this. <clears throat> um, I ever since I learned about the human human fruit, I was like, it's such a small chance that an animal would eat it. Like, what would have happened yeah. if just yeah. a person would have? So what? you're saying spoiler, but like, does I'm assuming that is revealed later? No, it's a spoiler <laughs> because it isn't revealed. Like, I still <laughs> oh, it's not. I still don't know the answer to this. <laughs> so yeah, it's a clever plot uh, point by uh, Anita that. <laughs> haven't revealed what happens when a human eats a human human fruit. Maybe they just take a shit. Who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> it just does nothing. That would be funny. It just do nothing. Their what? skin clears up a little bit. <laughs> or like they I had a to... genetic birth defect and they never knew about it and it's like cured so it saved their life but they just never know about that so they assume it did nothing. Uh, yeah, what if what if you ate a fruit that just didn't seem to have any effect at all? It's fine. Oh yeah. Uh, I wanted to... That would be crazy if that happened. <laughs> I wanted to point out um <laughs> It seems like a pretty minor thing, but did y'all notice that the zone fruits were, I don't think they were actually introduced as human, human fruit or bison, bison, but they said type bison and type human or like bison type. Did y'all pick up on that? I did see them say bison type when they were talking about Dalton. Yeah. I did not pick up that that's, uh, I thought they were just adding it on. It's like, he's a human, he, he's had the human, human fruit. Or the doctor said it, didn't they? Or no, it's the enemies for a uh, Wapple, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's Dalton. He ate the the bison type fruit, so something like that. Maybe then yeah, is the implication like blank, blank bison type, yeah. So maybe then the implication is that it's like, um, animal animal fruit type bison or type human or type whatever or something like that. Yeah, I'd I like I, to believe. Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, it's cool. I, I was gonna. To me, I, I kind of read that as like, well, there, you know, there can be different types of the same animal, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like an American buffalo is very different from like a water, uh, an Asian like water buffalo. Um, so, I, I, to me, I like that idea that like the zone might be a little bit more expansive than just like there's the bison man, the only bison man in the whole world, you know? Right. Right, Cause I guess because they're transformations into like mostly animals so far, or at least the ones that we know of so far, like mm-hmm. you, I mean, that's how the animal kingdom works too, right? Is there's like species yeah. and subspecies and families and kingdoms and all that shit. So yeah, it would make sense that the, the Zoan fruits would have a similar like format or structure. I mean, yeah. to me, this, uh... <laughs> I may be looking at it too simply, but to me, it's just like, they're saying, oh, he was a human, and he must have uh, taken the human human fruit, and then they see what he turns into. He's like, oh, yeah, he's a bison. Ah, oh, he must have had the bison-type human human fruit, clearly. And then for the reindeer, they're like, oh, he had the human human fruit, well, uh, yeah. anti-reindeer type. That's an interesting point, too, Patrick, because it's not like when Luffy ate the gum gum fruit that it was like there was like a they sign have no idea. It was like, this is the gum gum fruit. Like there's there's no barcode tag on the fruit that's saying like uh, <laughs> uh, BTW. Uh, <laughs> this is going to make you rubber man, rubber man type. Yeah, um, I, I, I think there might be like books or something out there. But like, yeah, most people are just going to say, oh, that looks weird. And they're not going to know any better. 
I, Do people that research fruits are they called botanists? <laughs> like, is that part of studying plants? Uh, yeah, I guess. I I don't. I've never heard of like fruit as a separate discipline from that. Yeah, it would probably so be like a, t- a type of biologist or something. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's got to be some version of that in this world mm-hmm. where they've cataloged all of them, and none of these people have read those books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um have I did I tell you guys about when I played the One Piece like RPG text based tabletop thing? I think you're going to. It was I, can't I played, remember. Yeah, I played it on a uh, Reddit message board where you would oh, make wow. posts where you would like RP as your like your uh, your One Piece OC, you know, your yeah, original I've, character. I've done stuff like that before, yeah. Yeah, and then like mods would come in and they would basically DM by like replying to your your RP. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it was it was actually really fun. The only reason I ended up stopping that it didn't go any further is because it was an enormous strain on the mods because so many people wanted to play oh, it and they just oh, could not yeah. keep up with the amount of I, posts. I can imagine. Um, but there was the first like arc of the story. There was like I think like seventy people playing it. Um, but we all basically did a tournament where we fought each other and competed in like challenges and stuff. And the winner got a devil fruit. Yeah. Uh, and I, the reason this occurred to me is because we were talking about like eating a devil fruit and not knowing what it would be. That was, that was the case in this where the guy who won didn't know, you know, what it was. So he was really hesitant to like eat it <laughs> at first. Yeah. Um, that's fun. <laughs> and, he got it. He was like hesitating on eating it. He thought he might sell it to someone else or something like that. And this was about the time that the game was clearly coming to an end. Cause the mods were just completely burnt out and just not even responding <laughs> to any of the posts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. were all just like talking and we're like, we got to know what the fruit is. So, so he like drafted this, like this message on the board and was like, listen, I know you guys are pretty much done with this, but if you could just please tell me what the fruit is, I have to know what it is. Like, we need to know what the fruit is. Yeah. And I can't oh, tell man. you what it is because it's a spoiler, but maybe when we when we get get to that point, I can tell you what oh, the devil interesting. fruit was. That okay. It was. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I know that was kind of a tease. I didn't uh, you'll have to tell me uh, one-on-one at some point. Yeah, now I'm curious. For sure. Um, all right. Awesome. I've kind of lost track of who has shared which points so far. I have one I'd like to interject, though, if that's okay. Yeah, please. Um, we, we do have time, John. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> man, Sanji sure got fucked up, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, he got yeah. his ass beat. Yeah. <laughs> they all Sanji did. Hater, first he got, I couldn't yeah, even first really. Yeah, he got shot. Yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. really enjoy it because it was, it was so bad. I was like, man, if he... <laughs> just got shot and didn't break his back, then I could probably like clown on him. But since he's like maybe paralyzed, I can't really enjoy it as much as I want to, you know, the Lappins really messed him up. Um, and I thought it was a nice touch that, you know, Luffy ends up saving like the parent of the, the infant Lappin and, and kind of begrudgingly wins their respect. <laughs> so they help mm-hmm. out later. Yeah, and, and speaking of, how good was that climb with Luffy going up the mountain, right? Oh, my God. I loved that. Like, yeah, you're really feeling it. Like, he, he is... <laughs> his hands are 
completely soaked in blood by the time he gets up there. Like, it, you is, really it, is that when it. he like turns back and uses his head to grab Sanji? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then um, all of them are about to fall, except for I think Nami. I think he and Sanji are about to fall when Chopper saves them from the ice. Uh, you know, just sliding off from underfoot. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, also Luffy's I feel like this is the first of Luffy's iconic fits when he's fighting uh Wapple in Nami's jacket. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, thought that... I thought it weirdly worked for him. Yeah, I thought I thought so too and I thought it was a great bit when it's uh, totally demolished <laughs> by the time he's ready to give it back to her. Yeah pretty funny that he's like i have okay i have to save this entire kingdom and go fight the ex-king but first i need a jacket it's like yeah do you actually though i don't know <laughs> well if, if nobody ever said don't you realize how cold it is he never would have realized <laughs> but <laughs> Didn't he, do many yeah favors. doesn't he take his sandals off or he loses his sandals when he's walking in the snow at some point he I takes his sandals remember. off to climb the mountain and then he somehow has them back. He just put them in his backpack, I guess. I think he put them in his backpack or something, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Matt, did you have any other topics you would like to touch on? I've got a couple, to be honest. I, I want to make sure I'm not going too hard. Um, nah, go ahead, man. Sure, okay. So, I I didn't have this thought. That I think I mentioned recently that there is a... Uh, a Twitch streamer I like named Hassan Abi. He normally covers like politics and current events, but he is getting into one piece for the first time. And his, his comment on this arc was that he thought it was kind of all about socialized healthcare and kind of the, the moral hazards of privatized healthcare. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I thought that was interesting just kind of reading along and, and trying to keep an ear open for that, that, um, because, you know, they never go too into it, but you've got this situation where this island used to be full of doctors who were, you know, some of the best in the world. Everybody had great health care. And then Walpole, without ever really explaining why, he just kind of glibly says politics, um, kills all of them except for, like, he bans doctors except for the 20 that he keeps just to do research. And it, I don't think it ever comes out and says, like, why he is so focused on research, but I think the implication is to sell, you know, the benefits of his research to other nations, presumably, or I don't know if anyone's wealthy enough to get it. But to me, there's a really strong parallel between that and American healthcare, where, you know, American healthcare is very expensive. And um, one of the reasons that's often touted is, is why uh, it is important for American healthcare to continue on in the way that it currently is is because we do all the medical research uh, for the rest of the world. And um, that's why, you know, somebody's got to pay for it. You know, if we don't do it, nobody else will. So that's why it's totally fine. Um, but I think here you, you kind of see the, you know, exaggerated as metaphor, but on Drum Island, you have a population of people who can't get access to healthcare, uh, except basically by begging a king who doesn't give a shit about any of them or just hoping that the local crank <laughs> shows up from, you know, down up, up on the mountain where who knows what she's going to charge for you to get it. Uh, it's a really desperate situation. And, and that was such a big part of Dalton's like radicalization scene where um, he basically says, you know, what is, what is here? I even jotted down. I know what road this country is on. It's the road to destruction. It is the road to destruction. 
As long as we treat the people like animals, this country can't be saved, no matter how advanced its medical science is. No matter how much research is conducted, medicine can't cure stupidity. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And, and you know, later on, we, we learned that the 20 doctors are not actually evil. They know that they could help everybody with their research. And, and to me, that was getting the idea of like, oh, nationalizing private health care, you know, socialized health care. We have built up all these advancements, you know, in a capitalistic privatized context. Now we can share them with everybody and everybody can benefit. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I think the other interesting thing about that is that in the drum, uh, drum Island kingdom or whatever, you have um, this open dictatorship, right? Um, yeah. Where Wapple is just concentrating all of the, the medical research, like, on him or in his castle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, and he openly admits, like you said, that, you know, just politics, right? Yeah. Um, whereas, I think in America, you have um, this abstraction where healthcare is viewed almost as outside of politics, yeah, you know, and like I a think, consumer good, yeah. Yeah, and I, exactly. And I think that that can be said more broadly of just pretty much all production, all economic activity is sort of viewed as a separate thing from politics. Yeah. Um, and if, if I'm going to extrapolate this metaphor further, I think that, <laughs> um, you know, you have your two quack doctors, or I guess your one quack doctor and then your one greedy half doctor or whatever. <laughs> Um, very good back alley doctor. These, these are people who exist in the vacuum created by this privatized healthcare system that denies coverage and, and healthcare to the people. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's like an artificially um, repressed population of doctors, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah all, the, all the doctors were either like, um, you know, brought into the castle or they were chased off or killed. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not by natural causes of them people choosing not to be doctors or dying out or anything. Well, they were dying out, but not by choice. So what I was wondering is yeah. if we can maybe attribute the, this rise in America of like these pseudoscientific medical treatments, like fucking crystals and essential oils and all this other fucking nonsense. If we can attribute that rise to the lack of any real access to actual medicine, yeah, yeah, I think you have a point. Man. I think it's definitely in the mix. Yeah, when you uh, when you cannot afford healthcare and <laughs> you are sick, maybe if I eat raw onions and raw beef, that'll just fix everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that'll fix your life, John. I I think you might be onto something. Yeah, if you can't <laughs> afford to see a doctor, you can just Google how to be a doctor, and that yeah. will show you all of the steps that they took. In their two weeks to learn how to be a doctor, all the expertise is boiled down into Google, several Google Google sites, <laughs> and they're they're very certain about it. Yeah, you they're know. very certain. Those crystals work. Yeah, crystals yeah. are um, so very powerful. <laughs> it's true, and, and you know that notion of you know these quack remedies, you know, like the raw be- like raw beef only diet, or you know the crystals, that classic yeah. hero look shit. <laughs> Try this. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, if, if if you had no medical training and you had to come up with some kind of treatment for something, you would be Hiraluk. That's it. Yeah. That's, if, that's what you're coming up with. If, if Hiraluk was treating Nami, he probably would have said that it was the mRNA vaccine that was causing 
her <laughs> clearly, uh, sickness. Oh my god! Clearly, gosh. that's what's happening. It's the the uh, lack of crystals has altered her DNA. The crystals needed were needed to keep her DNA in check. <laughs> Precisely. From, uh, randomly copying mistakes. Though I do think that's the difference in here, Luke. Though is that he he is genuinely trying to figure out actual cures, he, you know, rather than just trying to scam people. Yeah, he just um, doesn't know. Yeah. Nope. And, nope. And like, You're Luke, some anti-mask masker, anti-vaxer. <laughs> you can't change my mind. He's on. Uh, it's okay. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but no, John. I, I I'm glad that you brought up like. The fact that uh, Wapo is such a dictator, because th- that kind of segues into another point I wanted to bring up, which is like he's a king, like he's an actual king, um, which is a term that has actual significance. Like we we learned that Dalton and Vivi and um, Igorim, you know, Navi's sorry, Navi, um, Vivi's protector. And uh, Wapo all met at a, a gathering of kings, you know, some years ago. So, like, he has some actual, like, political clout. I think he mentions later on, I am a member of the world government. You can't attack me. Um, he's a big deal, you know, and, and he I, – I touched earlier that I think that Walpole is absolutely repulsive. I think he's a repulsive personality. I think he's repulsive to look at. Um, and I think that Oda has a tendency for when he's drawing a character he truly hates, he will draw them in truly hateable ways. <laughs> Uh, and this guy is just the, the absolute worst embodiment of absolute power in one man. I mean, he is completely corrupt. He literally consumes everything around them just because he can. And, um, Patrick, you, you mentioned earlier that scene when like he literally consumes his own ministers mm-hmm. who like in, in turn, they're totally like morally debased. Like there's that background when it, it you know, the two of them are talking to Dalton back before he flipped. And say, you know, they're saying like, "Hey, don't worry about it, Dalton. Just have a drink. We're all making money off this. It's all good." Uh, they're completely degraded by serving this completely degraded man, mm-hmm. and that scene of them literally getting eaten and digested and just like fused in this horrific monstrosity. I, I apologize, John, if you haven't seen it. If not, this happens within like the first five minutes. But it reminds me a lot of um, Avatar Two. Uh, the way of water where the villain in the first one comes back as a clone to continue serving his, you know, basically capitalist masters on earth. And they never outright say this, but to me, there's a real implication that like, they could just clone this guy again. Like this could just be his afterlife living in an eternal degraded bondage to these completely morally depraved monsters. And, and that's really what the feeling that I got from, from Wapple and his men. You can't serve that kind of absolute evil without welcoming it into your heart or rejecting it completely, which is what Dalton ultimately did. Did uh, good old Hassan Piker have anything to say about this one? No, no. He just talks about the socialized healthcare. This one is, uh, this is all my thoughts. <laughs> well, good. Because I hear he has a big house and that means he's not a socialist. <laughs> he does have a house. That's very bad of him. Yeah. What an <laughs> very immoral of him to own a yeah. house. <laughs> Especially a nice one. Okay. Especially uh, a nice one. Patrick, do you have anything else that you would like to touch on? I'm pretty much out. The last thing I had was Sanji getting fucked up. No, yeah, I've uh, covered everything. I covered my movie uh, actor uh, lookalikes and the 
the feels, so I'm good. Cool. I've got three little ones. I'll I'll try to speed round through. Um, First is I love the gag of Chopper trying to peek around the corner and doing it wrong. Uh, That was funny. (laughs) It's so funny, and it's also so kind of like... Aw, you know, it's kind of heartachingly vulnerable. <laughs> he just doesn't get it. In general, it's cute how scared he is of everything. Yeah, and and then, like, every time he takes a compliment, he, like, it's like, oh, you don't need to thank me, and he's clearly just, like, on cloud nine. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, another one is, I just wanted to really lightly touch on that, like, I kind of like that, like, Chopper considers her Luke, like, not only his friend, but, like, his father. And at first, when, you know, Chopper shows up to confront Wapple, he tries to be like Hiroluk was, which is, you know, forgiving and peaceful, that kind of like universal message of healing and love. Uh, and then that doesn't work. Kray says, don't be stupid. And he gets punished for it. And he, he's like, okay, I'm not going to be as kind as my father was. It's that limitation of peaceful resistance. <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes you have to actually take it to the man. Um getting all commie again but um well i mean we can't take everything away from here luke he did do a suicide bombing on the capital of the country oh for sure <laughs> so. no I, I don't mean to diss here but <laughs> he wasn't totally nonviolent. <laughs> oh no that's a very good point but I, 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 I was thinking more of there's a specific scene where he's like i'm gonna treat you better than you deserve because that's what here would wanted and yeah and it gets you know <laughs> belted immediately like he almost gets eaten actually that's the scene where yeah he does get eaten in fact just his feet are sticking out yeah and um that segues nicely into the other, just the last thing i wanted to bring on was um i really love the scenes talking about the absolute trust that most of the crew have formed and that most is is what i want to end on but um you know, Nami wakes up, she's recovering in bed, and she hears the fight outside, and she says to Luffy, like, is there a fight? So, yeah. And she's like, is it serious? He said, nah, you're, you're fine. <laughs> okay, I'll get back to bed. And um, then right after that, Luffy's, like, running out, and Sanji is like, grab my legs. And Luffy just says, okay. He doesn't, you know, ask why. And it's because there's no time to talk and explain, you know, Hey, chopper's getting eaten. You have to, I have to fling you to him as quickly as possible. So you can grab his legs and pull him out. I'm, I'm so um, glad you brought that up actually. Cause that was yeah. so cool. That combo move so where like Sanji launched Luffy by kicking him up in the air. Yeah. And that was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was so sick. Yeah. And like, they're just working perfectly in sync because the, like they're true comrades, you know, like they don't need to discuss it. They don't, he doesn't need to understand it. Somebody says do they this. Spend enough time and he does together. It. Yeah. Now, and I want to bring up the one exception to that because I think I finally cracked the code on Usopp. I think Usopp, in, in, I think this dynamic drives a lot of people crazy, drives me crazy. Usopp's inner conflict is that of a, a romantic versus a coward. You know, he wants to not only yeah. be like a great warrior of the sea, as he says, but he wants to be like an honest to God member of the crew, like everyone else, but he, mm-hmm. but he's a coward. He hasn't quite managed that. And there's this great scene where Vivi is like panicking. She's like, what could be happening up there? And um, Usopp is like, it's fine. You need to trust in your comrades. And at first it seems like an extension of the same, oh, everyone trusts each other now thing. But Zola points out like, you're not doing anything. Like, what do you, that only works when everybody is doing something and you're not doing anything. You're just standing here. You don't want to go up. Yeah. Uh, Which like nails it In, in like, Usopp's problem is that he still thinks of himself as the protagonist of reality. 
Like he's thinking, how do I get the other people on the crew to do stuff for me? Or how can I get away with not doing something because somebody else is? Yeah. He's not thinking like a crew me- a member yet. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that goes back. That goes back to the um, um, earlier earlier chapters in this arc where he's uh, Usopp is. I think it's when he's got a, his face full of snow still from the quote unquote frostbite. Yeah, as Nami <laughs> tells him, or or I, can't, I think it's Nami tells him that. VV. Um. Yeah. VV. Yeah. Uh, where he's like. I think they're still on the ship and they're like, Oh no, he, you know, they're talking about how they're going to go land on this Island. And he's like, Oh no, there's monsters on their own. My auntie, my auntie monster fear is kicking or my auntie, my <laughs> yeah. auntie Island fear is kicking or something like that. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. It was like my don't go on the Island. I just, yeah. Something. My it's don't like, go on, on the Island. Fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he wants to be brave enough, but he's like, Oh no, like this shitty part of me is also working and I can't do it. <laughs> Yeah, it, like he he wanted to be captain. Like he still will introduce them as Usopp's <laughs> yeah. pirate sometimes, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. at, I don't know. Like, like I think that tension is going to be around there for a little while. But uh. <laughs> I just got reminded also of the. Uh, I think it's during that same the same panels where it's Sanji who's in the snow and he gets like plucked up or whatever, mm-hmm. and he and he recognizes Vivi. And he's like, and you, and he's like looking at, at Usopp and his like close-ups on his face and then more of his face. And then like that shows his nose. And then the last panel is like just his nose with his face <laughs> in the outline. He's like, oh yeah, you're Usopp. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah. That's so good. He, Usopp got a lot to do in Arlong Park. Yeah. Uh, but he's I think he's taking a backseat. I think since then, yeah, he's kind of been in the background. He might need a little love soon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I You made me think of this, Matt, but uh, that part where uh, I think it was Nami was like, is it a big deal? And Luffy's like, nah, you're good. Yeah. Uh, I love that even Luffy is aware of the fact that Wapole is like a C-tier villain at worst. He's, <laughs> like, he's like, nah, this guy doesn't seem like he's going to be much of, <laughs> yeah. much of an issue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and like. And Wapole has no idea how to deal with him. Like, he tries bribing Luffy. Like, you want to be vice king. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he doesn't get it. And Kray has that great line of, the king has lost to the skull and crossbones. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just, like, Luffy's crew is the ultimate embodiments of... And and really, I think, like, Luke is the only other person who's espoused. No, the skull and crossbones means freedom. It means hope. You know? Yeah, well, I think that a lot of pirates know it intuitively because it means that they get to do whatever they want, but maybe they don't realize that connection, you know? Yeah, but in a like very selfish way, I think most of them do. They, they want to acquire power for themselves, which, like, B- Buggy would have become Vice King, you know? <laughs> um, um, I think I'm pretty before- much out of stuff to talk about, but I did want to say Bon Clay was there. Uh, he showed up at the end. You mean agent number two? Yes, agent number yes, two. Yes, Mr. Two. Uh, we, let's just talk about him next time because like, I feel like the next few chunks or few chapters are probably going to be having to do with Bon Clay. Yeah. Sure. Um, the last thing I wanted to say was, Patrick, what did you think of um, the revelation about Gold Roger? Um, I don't know what to think. I'm trying to remember now. That's so the very last chapter, right? What happened was, yeah, very last chapter, Kareha mentions Gold D. Roger. And the yeah, and you say, like, oh, you mean Gold Roger. Yeah, and she's like, oh, is that what they call him now? And, yeah, she makes a cryptic um, message that, you know, the, the will of D lives on. And uh, do you, can you think of another character that has D for a middle initial? 
Luffy D Monkey? Yes, sir. Yeah. And um, there was even, you might remember this, you might not, but there was a uh, seemingly random question in the SBS several chapters ago just saying, hey, you know, what does the D stand for in Monkey D. Luffy? And he's like, mm-hmm. I, I get this question all the time. I can't um, tell you. I can't tell you. Yeah, I can't tell yeah. you yet. <laughs> so, yeah, just be on the lookout for more Ds coming up. <laughs> We're going to have any. a D party. There yes, are a lot of Ds coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Ds what? We got to find out. These chapters. These boys. These boys. All right. These voyages. Let's do our ratings real fast since we're coming up on our time. I'm going to just go ahead and give it an A rank. I thought that the combo fighting with Luffy and Sanji was really cool. I like that Sanji got fucked up. I like Chopper more than I did before. All around, pretty good arc. Um, Just not, not quite S tier. Just because... Even some of the ones before this, I think, were better than this one. But in general, it's it's not it's not the cream of the crop, but it's just below that. Uh, Patrick, what did you think? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it just barely a six out of seven kingdoms. Um, <laughs> because the beginning just felt off to me. And maybe it's, I don't know. If they had something leading up to it that got me into it more, I would give it a six and a half out of seven but yeah it's there's a, it's a little shaky after the awesomeness that we saw in the previous few art previous like two arcs which were just fucking bangers so yeah all right well as the uh, compulsive overrater of the show i'm going to give this one an s um i liked it so much more than i remembered having read it the first time um not that I thought it was bad the first time. It was just for whatever reason, it didn't stick with me as well. So actually, I guess I should maybe factor that in. I'll give it an A+. But um, I do agree. I don't think the beginning was great, but I thought it landed so hard. Um, once it got going, it really didn't let up. Um, I loved, you know, Wapple sucks, but he has interesting powers. I love the themes that were going on. Um, I love Chopper's dream to become the universal cure to medicine by becoming the best doctor of all time. That's my favorite pirate dream. Uh, I love that the reindeer never like accepted him back into their tribe. They were still assholes to him the whole time. He's not Rudolph. Um, And yeah, and I I don't know. I'm really excited because they're really building up Alabasta too. So this one got me really pumped up. I I cried really hard during the mushroom soup scene. And uh, I thought it was not perfect, but extremely good. Hell yeah. God, I'm so excited for Alabasta. Can't wait. (laughs) I might actually read it tonight. (laughs) That's a lot to read, man. We're going to have to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to our podcast, Devil Fruit Punch. You can email us at devilfruitpunch at gmail.com. We love hearing from everybody. And uh, you know what? I'm not even going to ask you to review because there's like five of you and you haven't done it yet. So you're probably not going to, but maybe you will send us an email. So do that. Send us an email. Talk to us. Yeah. You can tell us what you think. And if you talk shit to us, then only I'll read it and I don't care. (laughs) So it's fine. Uh, Anyway. Ahoy. 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 What a great outro.